W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 23 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. I want to offer you hope and encouragement through stories of people each week that focus their lives on servant leadership and honoring God. And to show you that when you focus on those two things, blessings just naturally follow as a natural byproduct. Because all of us are given special gifts by God, and we are all called to be ministers in some way, shape, or form. That when we see a need, we should be filling that need in whatever way that we can. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And you've seen that demonstrated numerous times by previous guests that we've seen in the areas of military, business, faith, community, and family. And last week, I had the pleasure of talking to Karen Escalante and Miss Cynthia Caldwell. And they clearly demonstrated what it means to show love to other people, particularly within their families and within their communities. And if you missed that episode, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode 22. So for today's show, let me just tell you a little bit about me for context. I have an opportunity to meet and serve with many other servant leaders in my work in the Armed Services Ministry of the American Bible Society. And that includes leaders of military ministries, authors, and veterans. And so today for you, I have two really great examples of servant leaders in the area of community. First is Lieutenant Stephen Rogers. He's a veteran of both the Air Force and the Navy. He's a retired police detective, and he served on the Board of Education and the City Council for Nutley, New Jersey. Second, I have Miss Brenda Swartz. She's a military spouse. She's a chaplain and the founder of Warrior Family Ministries. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Lieutenant Stephen Rogers. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I worship you. W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. 
Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Lieutenant Stephen Rogers. Lieutenant Rogers, are you on the line today? Yes, pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to really thank you for taking some time out on your Sunday afternoon to be on the program today. Reading through your bio, you have done so much, and it's really an honor to have someone with your background and experience on the program. Well, it's my honor to be here with you. Thank you. Well, listen, you know, looking through everything that you've done, there's so much that we can talk about, but I think... uh, Kind of the beginning of what you've done was your time in the military. So would you mind sharing with the listeners what originally motivated you to join the military? And I think the Air Force was the beginning of your career, if I understand correctly. Well, that is correct. Uh, the, uh, it was back in 1970. I graduated high school, and the Vietnam War was uh, winding down. Uh, but uh, I always had this desire to uh, serve my country, and the best way to do that was to join the uh, military. Uh, I knew I would get a lot of training there. Uh, I would get a lot of structure there. And uh, let's put it this way. I wasn't an angel when I was in high school, so maybe I needed <laughs> a little uh, corrective action. So uh, my mother and father were a great influence, believe me, to get me into the military. But I joined the Air Force and then um, served and was honorably discharged from the Air Force after four years. And then in 1981, around 81, 82, as a police officer, uh, Navy recruiters came to police departments looking for veterans uh, during the Vietnam War era. I happened to be one, and uh, I told the Navy recruiter, look, if I could uh, get a shot at becoming an officer, uh, I'll, I'll come. I'll take that shot. And uh, they did. They, they, they offered me an uh, opportunity to become a commissioned officer, and uh, that's how I ended up in the Navy. Wow. And if I understand correctly, you did a wide range of jobs in the Navy. They gave you a whole lot of experience there. Well, yeah, I had actually uh, been assigned uh, to the Office of Naval Intelligence and did a lot of work on Soviet military power. Uh, and uh, I'm proud to say that some of the work we did uh, helped bring down the Soviet Union. Wow. Uh, so my whole career, I was at the Office of Naval Intelligence until I retired uh, 20 years later. So in all that time with the Office of Naval Intelligence, what lessons on servant leadership did you garner through your military service? Well, I'll tell you, I learned uh, a lot being a naval officer, uh, particularly, you know, a a real leader, a good leader is going to listen to the people who are working with him and for him. So I did a lot of listening. Uh, I actually uh, went down to uh, see the troops, if you will, uh, on ships, on Navy bases, shook their hands, talked with them, ate lunch with them, had discussions with them. I wanted them to know that uh, not, not only I was their boss, if you will, but I was also someone who... Uh, they could depend on. I wanted them to know I had their back. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, I became very good friends with a lot of them over the years. So uh, that leadership skill to listen is very, very important. Wow. I, I, I love that idea of being down with the troops and getting dirty with them, listening to them. I, I've heard that from a number of other senior leaders, including general officers, and that, that seems to be a common thread in leaders that really act out, live out, that model of servant leadership? Well, I got that idea from two places. One, from uh, President Abraham Lincoln. There you go. uh, Prove my point. With his uh, general officers, um, how was the war going? He asked the generals. They said, great, fine, everybody's doing good. And then he went down into the uh, 
to see the troops on the field of battle, and that story uh, turned around very quickly. Yeah. Things weren't go well. The other one uh, reason why I did this uh, was from the Bible. Uh, a lot of wisdom in the Bible. There's a scripture that says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Well, you know, those counselors aren't necessarily the officers that are working with you. How about seeing some of the counselors who your decisions are impacting? Amen. And I went and I talked to these troops, and sure enough, it uh, gave me a lot of good ideas and a lot of wisdom. Wow. Those are two undisputable sources. I, I love how you reference Abraham Lincoln and the Bible. So, in all the different things that you've done, how would you say that you were able to serve others in those various roles? I heard you say that you helped to take down uh, various regimes. Were you able to serve the different troops that you were with? What was your experience like there? Well, I've got to tell you, uh, some of the um, interesting uh, encounters I had with everyone, i got to tell you, absolutely everyone that I spoke with, uh, as a leader, as a naval officer, as a detective <laughs> lieutenant uh, in a police department. That was another career I had. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you sit down with people and they begin to open up to you and speak to you about their problems and difficulties, and they're looking to you as a leader to give them some guidance, not only professionally but personally. So I always did this, and some people said, well, I took a chance because of the way the world is, but I, I have no problem in leading a discussion towards what? Towards the Word of God. Yes. Now, I'm not a preacher evangelist, and I wasn't proselytizing, but I knew full well that my success uh, was clearly because of uh, a prayer and wisdom and knowledge that God had given me through His Word. So I would share that with everyone. I, I was on flight decks of aircraft carriers having conversations, not about the F-16s landing, but about God, about Christ. Wow. And uh, sure enough, they were very receptive. Very. I, I, I can't, well, I can only remember one person that kind of turned me off and walked away, which, you know what, I don't push this, uh, you know, uh, this stuff on anybody, but yeah. the fact of the matter is, I learned something. As a leader, you can have tremendous amount of influence uh, uh, with a person if you tell them the truth, and there is absolutely no argument uh, to truth when it comes to God's Word. Amen. I love that. So, you also mentioned that you served in the police force, and if I am reading your bio correctly, you did that simultaneously while serving in the military. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I have an interesting life, I guess you would say. People would say, gee, this guy served 38 years in the police department, 25 years in the Navy. How old is this guy? <laughs> well, you know, I ran them uh, simultaneously. I, uh, I joined the Naval Reserves, uh, and as a result, uh, I had to have a full-time job, and that was as a uh, police officer in New Jersey. And, uh, of course, when the war started, I was actually mobilized and uh, sent away uh, for a couple of years, uh, active-duty Navy. But as a police officer, boy, what an opportunity to serve. And again, another answer to prayer, I, you know, I got to tell you what I did. Uh, throughout my whole life, when I became a cop, I took each badge from patrolman all the way up to detective lieutenant and a naval officer from an enlisted rank to the rank that I became as a Navy officer. I went to an altar. I placed them all on the altar the day or two after I got promoted, wow. and I dedicated them to God. Wow. So that was very important for me to do, because I knew full well that, uh, you know, not that I was as bad as King David, but I had my moments before I came to Christ. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I knew that God redeemed me for a reason and to lead. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, thank God I was successful. Now I'm in a position where I'm doing things to help lead this nation. 
Wow. Amen. That's all I can say about that. Wow. So in your 35 years serving in the police department, is there something that sticks out to you as maybe the most memorable moment or something where God really showed up? Oh, man, did he show up? So here I'm a young patrolman, two weeks, three weeks on the job, working the midnight shift. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm on a major roadway in my community, and I see a police car from the community next to us pull a car over. So I got behind the officer who pulled the car over and walked up to the car, and and there the, the, the cop rolls the window down, and it's a deputy police chief. Now, if you're a deputy police chief, you shouldn't be working two in the morning. There's yeah. something not right here. Yeah. So I said, Chief, what can I do for you? And he said, well, you know, I'm working the roads here, and I pulled this fellow over. But uh, young man, get in the car. Let's talk. So, so he says to me, do me a favor. I want you to go tell the driver uh, everything's fine. He can go. And then come back to the car. So I go uh, tell the driver to go. I go back to the police car that the chief sent, and the chief asked me what my name is, you know, a little personal small talk. And then he says this. He said, let me ask you something. He says, uh, what do you think about God? You ever hear about a guy named Christ? I looked at this chief and said, you got to be kidding me. What is this all about? Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, he, he enters into a discussion with me about salvation, about Christ, and then goes into his pocket, and he says, now, you just think about what I said. And Saturday morning, I'm going to be at a Howard Johnson's in New Jersey, and I want you to come there. Let's have breakfast. And then he hands me a Gideon Bible, one of them little pocket Bibles. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so he gives me this Bible, and I'm looking at this thing. Uh, this is incredible. So anyway, I leave. I start reading this little Bible. I figured I'd like to talk to this guy at breakfast. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I went to the Howard Johnson's. There must have been 50 cops at that breakfast. It was a prayer meeting. I walked right into it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh, man, I tell you, what in the world did I get into? Well, to make a long story short, he planted the seed uh, I ended up uh, uh, becoming a partner to a born-again believer in Christ, led me to the Lord, uh, but that deputy chief became my mentor, my Christian mentor, until the day he uh, went into heaven. Wow. God has really been working in your life. I, I, I love your story. I am curious, though. What? So, of all the things that you've done and all the roles that you've served in, you go by Lieutenant Rogers. Why is that? Well, you know, uh, people nickname me LT, and the Navy LT, Police Department LT. Yep. So I figured, you know what, let's just go LT Rogers. Okay. So, so we bra- I actually branded the name. You know, I do a lot on national TV yeah. networks, et cetera. Yeah. Well, LT is much easier than Lieutenant Commander, Commander, Commissioner, or whatever. <laughs> so we use LT. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Even though you're retired from the Police Department. I love that. That's great. That's easier to use. So you also mentioned that you're kind of on the national scene now, and I I think that part of the entree to that was your time on the Board of Education and the Board of Commissioners. So what made you want to get started in that road? Well, again, you know, I I prayed every day and said, Lord, you gave me some great talents and skills, so why don't we use them uh, to help the country and to help your kingdom? Now, I always keep in mind, no matter what I do, is Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and all these things will be, things will be so given unto you. Yes. Decided, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I decided to run for office, and school board was a, a, a way to help uh, create and formulate educational uh, policies for, for young children. And I did. I ran for the school board, and I won. Uh, and then uh, I decided to run for uh, township commissioner. That's a city council uh, here in New Jersey. 
and uh, I won two terms. Now, something that you may not know, I also ran for governor. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, I ran for governor. I ran in the primary uh, uh, as a Republican, but I lost that race. But you know what? Uh, man's disappointments are God's appointments because it led me to bigger and greater things, uh, both for God and country. So I got elected uh, two terms. I believe in term limits. I term limited myself, and nobody believed that I would do that because nobody in politics does that, but I did. Uh, and then I moved on to uh, working now on, with an organization I have called Campaign for America. And, and, and I was at the White House three or four times several years ago, and uh, we're continuing to uh, uh, do something extraordinary. I, I, I share with people with Campaign for America, uh, we are uh, probably have the most winning, successful candidate uh, ever in the history of America, and that's the American flag. And yes. uh, we, we, we speak to that issue of God and country. Yes. Well, Lieutenant Rogers, we've got about two minutes left. So I'd like to really ask you, of all the things that you've done, what advice would you give to people that look at your story and aspire to follow in your footsteps? Maybe it's writing the books, maybe it's the police role, maybe it's the Navy role, but they just want to get the blessings that God has for them, and they want to walk in the path that he has for them. What recommendations would you give to them? I would give them this advice, and I would share this one thing with everyone. Believers or not, if you're a human being, you're going to get a call. You're going to hear a voice. It's going to be in your heart, your soul, and your spirit. Don't ignore the call, and that call is going to be, follow me. And that call is going to come from the throne of heaven. It's going to come from Christ through the Holy Spirit. Follow me. Don't ignore it. You follow him, and he will lead you beside still waters and greener pastures and light. It'll rain. It'll get storms. But he has not only promised people that he would carry them through the storm, but he delivered them from the storm. And so that's my advice to anyone who's listening. Wow. Follow me. It, that, that is very scripturally accurate, and I, I love that as you know a, a last piece of advice that you would give to the listeners. Lieutenant Rogers, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the program today. Your story of leadership, of being a servant leader, of all the things that you've done is absolutely inspiring, and I love how you just lead people to Christ in everything that you do. So thank you so much for being on the program today. Well, thank you, my friend. God bless you. All right. Thank you so much. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mrs. Brenda Swartz. Stay with us. We'll be right back. W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mrs. Brenda Swartz. Brenda, you on the line? Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Glad to be here with you, Paul. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Sunday and your busy schedule to be on the program. Really appreciate having you on. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Brenda, you have done a whole lot with your career, but looking at your bio, I think a lot of it started with your time in family readiness. So can you briefly talk to us about how you got started with that, what that was about, and how you served others in that capacity? Oh, yeah. So that was uh, quite a few years back. But mainly, I want to just say, you know, anytime your your spouse joins the military, it, it's a family event. And so taking that for what it is, for me, um, already working with youth ministry and civilian life and doing all these ministries that I had done, when we, when we went into the Army and Jay was active duty, I just kind of immediately stepped into the how can I serve, too, as a spouse, as a civilian? What can I do to enhance the life, not only of my, my family, but of the families that were around us? And that was my biggest need. And, and basically, I knew nothing about family readiness. I didn't know anything about the Army, and our first duty station was overseas. And I remember... Um, I walked into our battalion, and Jay's company commander said, hey, I want to see you a minute. And I said, okay. And he said, uh, we need a family readiness support leader at that time. And I said, okay, so what does that person do? And his advice to me was, you keep all the spouses out of my hair. <laughs> so that's how I got started. <laughs> and from that, I developed it like I would anything else. You know, I, you pour into people's lives. You speak into those spouses. You plan things, you support that family, and it just thrived and, and, and we just, you know, we succeeded in the mission of taking care of each other. Amen. So what did that experience teach you about servant leadership that maybe you didn't know before getting started with that? Wow, I learned so much. Um, being in that role, I, you know, I started in that role in 1999 um, in Germany, and then, um, you know, I stayed in that role for almost 14 years and um, until my husband was medically retired out of the Army. And so um, I can't narrow it down to one thing that I, I honestly learned. I thought I was a good leader, but then you learn to lead in a different capacity because the world changed. You know, it was shortly after that we went through 9-11, yeah. which started deployments back-to-back, which started more support for each other. Um, and, um, I I think the biggest thing I learned was, um, to step up and do what you're called to do and, and, and complete the mission for lack of better words and, uh, and, and then move on and process it and don't let it just sit there and fester within your own self, but talk to someone about what you went through yourself that can help you start that healing process don't bottle things up was probably the biggest lesson I learned. I love that. Step up and complete the mission. Mm-hmm. But then you carried that forward. Uh, according to your bio, you then worked as a military and a veteran liaison for a U.S. representative. So how did you get started with that? How did that transition work? <laughs> that was an interesting transition. So um, my husband was uh, medically boarded out in um he officially retired out in 2012, and we came home to our hometown. And I remember it was an election year, and some of our friends were like, hey, you need to vote for this congressman. I didn't even know who he was, but I took their word for it, so we cast our vote for him, not knowing anything about him, really, other than he was a great guy. We were supposed to vote for him. And so um, along about that time in December, I received a call from this congress. well, this soon-to-be congressman, he, his first year, um, and so he would have been sworn in in January. So this was December. And he was still in his district office. And he called and 
talked to me a long time about this position of taking care of his veterans and his military um, in his district, and that um, he needed someone who understood the life, understood what they they have gone through and what they are going through, and would I be interested? And at first, I was like, no, Mm-mm. I don't do politics, right? <laughs> and then uh, I said, and he said, well, you know, you, you came highly recommended. I guess all these friends that told me to vote for him also ran their mouth on the other side. I don't know. But um, long story short, I asked him to let me pray about it. And um, when he got back, I told him I would give him, you know, a couple of days. And, and uh, between all my sons and my husband encouraging me to do it, I stepped into that position. Um, little did I know that the biggest takeaway from serving, I only served his first term, and he knew that from the be- beginning. You know, I told him I would I would definitely set up the offices. I would definitely, you know, be that person. But that when it was time for me to move on, I had to move on because we were starting a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so um, the biggest thing I learned, you know, in hindsight and in going forward, I learned about the VA. I learned about all the things that these Men and women who have served our country so faithfully were going through from waiting forever for doctor appointments to not being able to get their claims. I had one veteran who had been waiting for his appeal for 15 years. Wow. 15 years. And he had tried every congressman. He had tried every senator. He had, you know, they had written letters. They had done this. They had done 15 years. And I remember that I said, well, we're not going to wait 15 years. And so, you know, I, I, I did what I was supposed to and a, maybe a little beyond that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fixer by nature. And I remember <laughs> he called me on a Friday and he said, he said, hey, I got this weird call from the VA. And he said, they wanted to know my banking information. You think it was safe to give it to them? And I said, well, yeah. I said, the VA calls you if they're fixing to settle a claim and it's over $50,000. And he said, well, they told me to check my account Monday morning. And then I remember he called me Monday morning, like my phone was ringing as soon as I walked through that door. And he was yelling in my ear that they had settled his claim and he had $315,000 in his account. Oh my and that gosh. was going to save his farm. It was going to pay off his bills. He was going to be able to keep his house. I mean, it was all these things for 15 years. And so working with the congressman's office, it was just amazing to learn how to work and get these things accomplished for these veterans and work that VA system to make it happen. Now, did the congressman himself, did he model anything good, bad, or indifferent uh, regarding servant leadership? Oh, oh, let me tell you. And he's, you know, he's been reelected a few terms. He is the best. I mean, I hold him in the highest regard. He loves um, developing his staff. He makes sure that we have additional trains. He was always putting us in our, you know, our, our leading of others, being in our district and being in Washington, D.C. All of that was just high on his priority. It felt like being part of a family, and he even treats the men and women in his district that way. I have the highest regard for him. Wow, that's right. I really do. And so I'm assuming that your work in his office with learning about the VA and how to cultivate a staff and develop a sense of family. Is that what influenced you to start your nonprofit of Warrior Family Ministries? No, well, it helped. Uh, It helped educate me on the VA side of things and working with veterans and and more um, 
on that side. Um, but we had planned, um, the vision for our nonprofit Warrior Family Ministries was actually started while we were still in the Army. Okay. You know, I had already had this big uh, vision of uh, continuing on what was started, you know, during that Army time. I was still, even though we were out of the Army in 2012, I was still getting the calls from family members. I was still getting calls from, you know, um, the active duty soldiers. And and then I was getting calls from, you know, different places to keep doing the, you know, the, the talking and the teachings and the trainings. Um, I became an expert when it when it comes to families and having to live with post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress, compassionate fatigue syndrome. You know, so all of this was still going on, and it just, it just fit, you know, um, the transition from civilian life, from Army life to civilian life, working with a congressman, it just all came together. And so um, in 2014, we officially launched our nonprofit, Warrior Family Ministries, which, our, you know, our mission in, uh, is to uh, work with military, veterans, law enforcement, all first responders, fire and rescue, and their families. Because, again, you don't ever just do it yourself. If you're married, it's that spouse and it's your children. They walk that same life with you. And so it's very important that that was carried forward in what we do with our nonprofit. And how many people do you serve in that capacity? Oh, the grief. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I can't really put a number on that. It's been gracious. It's been thousands wow. uh, over the years. It's been in, in various areas all over the United States. Um, our nonprofit, not only we, we, you know, I tell you, we serve them, but, you know, we don't turn away anybody. So we have, um, we train people to be chaplains, and chaplains serve outside the walls of their church. Mm-hmm. And without, you know, without, a, um, without an agenda, and we, you know, non, and we're very non-denominational, they don't bring their denominational beliefs into it. But we serve, and so we have free counseling for all of them. Uh, we have... Um, we have two deployment teams for natural disasters and man-made disasters. You know, we're fixing to form our third deployment team, which is which is going to be launched out here shortly. And that third deployment team are going to be a group of well-trained chaplains that are going to go to some of the uh, um, areas around the United States and do um, weekends for our law enforcement and their families to help them start coping with some of the things that they've been through over the last two, two and a half years. So we do a lot. And on top of that, you know, we do a bunch of critical incident stress management trainings. We travel all over it. Well, we do a lot of them now via Zoom because of COVID. But we do, uh, and those are open to anybody. We just have a lot going on. And uh, we've been real blessed and uh, with wonderful people that serve in all kinds of capacities. And, and it's all about that servant's heart, you know, um, we go out, and the first thing we ask is, how can I serve you? Yeah. You know? Well, with all the things that you've done, Brenda, with Warrior Family Ministries, I mean, is there a time that really stands out to you where God just really blessed you and your family or maybe your ministry from something that you've done? Um, you know, we overall, we're just, we're real blessed. I think, I think the biggest thing that's, that stands out is, um, you know, when God answers a prayer and it's so blank, blanket, blankedly in front of you that He's the one that did it. You know, and yeah. um, 
I'll, I'll tell you uh, a person. It was a personal story. So I'm going to share this personal story with you because it does tie into um, the Army life and then the, the nonprofit. But um, our oldest son at the time was 18 years old, and we were stationed in Germany. And um, all of a sudden, one night, of course, you know, my husband was in the field. And so the, I had three boys, and they were getting on my last nerve, so I sent them all to bed. And all of a sudden, I heard this horrible noise come from my oldest son's room. And when I opened the door, he was having a seizure. Oh, my gosh. And this was right after 9-11. So everything, you know, over there, you had to have bombs inspected. You couldn't just get through the gate. Yeah, yeah. emergency vehicles. And so long story short, um, he was taken to the clinicum, uh, to the neurosurgery department. And um, they told me, I remember that night, um, they had called my husband in from Hoenfeld, which was going to take several hours. But our base chaplain was with me. And um, I remember us sitting in this dark clinicum hospital, and the doctors telling me that they didn't know what was wrong with him. There was a spot on his brain. They couldn't tell what it was. They didn't know if he would wake up. He was a musician, so they didn't know if he would ever be able to, you know, if he did wake up, what kind of brain damage there was going to be. And I remember, um, I remember walking through those halls and standing in one particular place and just, you know, tears in my eyes, just thanking God for the 18 years I had with my son and that, you know, that if he would just heal him completely. But either way, whether you heal him on this earth or you heal him and take him home, I know he's going to be okay. And that was the hardest thing I'd ever had to do, but it was my most peaceful moment in my whole life that I can, I can honestly tell you I've never felt it since. And later on that night, it ended kind of funny because um, we were standing there. We got to go in and see David, and um, we were standing there, me and this chaplain, and, we, and they had put us in these white cabins, and the room was kind of dim. And about that time, the nurse said my husband had come, come in, and so um, the chaplain said, go, go be with Jay and get him in here, and I'll stay here with David till you get back. Well, while I was gone, David woke up. Wow. And when he initially woke up, he looked and all he saw was the chaplain in his long white gown. And he said, he later told us that his first initial thought was, Jesus came back and I made it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he realized that he had all these things plugged up to him. But my son woke up and never has had an issue since he's 38 years old right wow. now. Um, I mean, those are the things that I can tell you have impacted not just me, but that went on to impact so many other people, his testimony, his life, the people in the hospital, um, you know, just everybody that you turn around and say, look, this is walking proof. And then, you know, you take it and you use it and play it forward so that you can help another family walk through it. Amen. Um, those are just impactful things um, from a nonprofit standpoint. You know, we um, we hold ourselves with a lot of confidence, so I can't really share a whole lot of personal stories, but I can tell you that um, during Hurricane Florence, all of our chaplains from all over the United States, um, our deployment team, came into little bitty Wilmington, North Carolina, and from here, we loaded up all our trucks and everything, and we went out to all the lower-lying areas, all the little bitty towns, and we served those people with pop-up distribution, um, little tents and stuff. Um, I cannot tell you how that impacts you. You think you're going out to bless somebody else, right? Yeah. And you end up being blessed so much more from the people that you meet. Amen. It's just, it's just uh, an overwhelming feeling of humbleness and gratitude and honor. Yeah. I love it. And Brenda, we only have about a minute or so left, but 
I, I just wonder, with all the things that you've done, and especially your work as uh, family readiness and working with the congressman, what advice would you offer to maybe a military spouse that's struggling in their role right now? You know, maybe because their husband's deployed or, you know, maybe they're just in a tough time in life right now with financially or physically or whatever it is. What advice would you give to them as a chaplain now in your role? My advice um, that I give most of our, our spouses that are married to active duty military, I tell them that they're a special breed and that they were purpose to live this life because this life is unique. And I remind them how strong they are. I remind them how strong their faith can be in them, whether they have a faith yet or not. We all find our ways to pray when it comes time for it. And I tell them that they are not alone and they should never feel alone. And then I make sure that they have the resources and the connections and the people that they need to survive this life of being a military spouse. Wow. That is wonderful. Friend, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. It, the stories that you shared are just absolutely heartwarming. Really appreciate your time and everything that you shared with us. It's been such a pleasure anytime, Paul. Um, I love what you do and, and the things that you stand for. And so uh, I just want to say God just continue to bless you too, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Brenda. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just briefly talk about what we've heard from our guests. Such profound words from both of the guests today. You heard from Lieutenant Rogers a few key concepts. One is that we have to all use the skills and the talents that God has given us. And second, as we're using those gifts, we can't ignore the call. Jesus is calling us to follow him and to share the love of God with everyone we come in contact with, like that deputy police chief did with him at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he invited him to a breakfast, which actually turned out to be a prayer meeting. You can serve people by not being afraid to share your faith. You can serve people by using the gifts that God gave you, by following your calling to do whatever it is that he put in your heart. And Lieutenant Rogers also talked about Matthew 6.33. And in the ESV version, that says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things will be added to you. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but that means a whole lot to me. We don't need to be chasing after fast cars or big houses or fancy jewelry or anything at all like that. We need to be following him. And you, we heard much of the same thing from Brenda. She talked about this idea of stepping up and completing the mission. And quite honestly, she just followed the call that God had on her life. She was serving alongside her husband. 
Her husband was the military service member, but she said, well, you know what? This is a team sport, a team event. And so for as long as he served, I believe she said it was 14 years, she served right alongside him as that military spouse, working in family readiness, then working in the congressman's office. And through all of that, God prepared her for the next step in her journey and the next step in her journey. And she learned how to work with the VA. She learned about this idea of developing her staff. She learned about the notion of putting family first. And then she took all those lessons and brought them forward into the nonprofit that she runs today, Warrior Family Ministries, where she is working with hundreds of chaplains across the country to literally reach thousands of people. So folks, if there's one takeaway from today, it is beyond the shadow of a doubt to follow the call of God in your life and to use the skills and talents that he has given you to step up and complete that mission. Now, you know, each week I talk to you about when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And so I just got to tell you, uh, this past week I was informed about a service member and his significant other, and they are really having a hard time there. Down on their luck, this, that, and the other thing, and medical problems, financial problems, just all kinds of issues. And so as the chapter president for AUSA in Philadelphia, I kind of felt compelled, both as a minister and the leader of our organization, that I needed to do something about it. So I reached out to the people on our board, and I asked them, hey, if you're able, if you're willing, will you please chip in and help? I'm going to chip in, would you chip in, and let's see if we can do something for this family. And I got to tell you, after that, I was able to talk to the service member's significant other, and she was so incredibly grateful. The kind words, the words of life that she spoke into me, that other people on my team spoke into me, were such a blessing. Guys, the, the blessing is not about in what you get from other people. It's in giving to other people. Because when you give to other people and you show love to other people, a blessing comes back to you tenfold, more than you can ever imagine. There's joy, pure joy, in showing love to other people, both in what they say, how they accept it, how they receive it. So many blessings come from that. So I want to just say to you today, Build an ark. And if you don't know what that means, it's an act of random kindness. Find someone today that you can show love to. Maybe it's paying for a meal for the person behind you in that drive-thru. Maybe it's holding the door open for somebody. Maybe it's bringing a bag of groceries. Maybe it's providing financial support to a family in need. Whatever it is, God will give you an opportunity. Take hold of that opportunity. Follow the call. Step up and complete the mission. Listen, for next week, two more really powerful guests. So excited about next week. I have Pastor Dave Charnick. He's the youth director at Kingsway Church, and he's also been my partner in putting together several coming-of-age events for both of my children. And I also have Mr. Ray Batwell. He's 95 years old. He's a World War II veteran, and he's also the owner of of Ray's Boozy Cupcakes in Voorhees, New Jersey. Very excited to talk to both these individuals next week. 
Finally, I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list, and you can do that through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. You can also check out the show tab on my site for previous episodes of this program. As you go about your work, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next I know the night won't last oh, no. Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again I'll sing your praise again Jesus yes, Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within Yeah.